missed. Um, glad to be here with you this morning, and uh, very thankful to have the privilege to share God's Word with you. Um, I'm going to do my very best to just stay focused on the text, because that's where I'm going to be in the least uh, emotional state this morning. Um, we are in a wonderful passage. We, you know, the last couple weeks we've been in Jesus' high priestly prayer. And this, uh, Pastor Tyler talked about last week, this is his favorite passage in Scripture. This is such an incredible passage, and I think that there's so much for us to grab hold of here in this, um, in this closing part of his prayer. And one of the things that I love, you know, I've said it a hundred times, John's focus is always about us seeing Jesus for who He is, right? Seeing that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. That you can believe in Him and have life in His name if you would believe in Him. And what I love is that here in this passage, we see Jesus holding out something really remarkable that Jesus has and that He wants you to have. And I've titled it this morning, the the sermon, Forever Community. And I think that one of the things that we see in this passage is that Jesus holds up in His prayer, like there's there's this looking into this forever community that, that Jesus has with the Father. He talks about it being before the foundation of the world. And it is going to last forever and ever and ever. But Jesus offers out that forever community to you and to me. We're not alone. We're not alone. Jesus offers out this forever community to us. And so I want to I look at this. I want to find great hope and great joy and great peace and great comfort in knowing this. I pray that you would join me in that. So let's read this passage together. And I pray that our hearts will just, uh, just be filled with great joy in this. So let's read together John 17, starting in verse 20. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I am. Let me pray for us and we'll jump into this text together. God, we come before you this morning. 
in need of your presence, in need of your grace, in need of your mercy, uh, just made new today. God, I pray that this morning would be about your son, Jesus. God, that our hearts would be filled with uh, joy, with confidence, with hope in Jesus. God, that we would have great gladness because of Jesus. That you would be the sole thing in our hearts and minds, moving us each and every single day. God, I pray that you would just help us. Uh, there's a lot of emotions that I feel this morning. God, there's a lot of emotions in this place. God, I pray that the overwhelming one would be joy. That the joy that we have in community now and forever with you always. We love you, and we pray all this in your name. Um, as I looked at this passage, there's a lot of things we could talk about. There's a lot of things you could, you could dive into. But one of the things that was very resounding for me, and especially given the fact that, that life is changing for us, that circumstances are changing for us, one of the things that really struck me was this picture of community here at the end of Jesus' prayer. And so what I want to do is, as we look at this passage together, is I want to look at how we see Jesus hold out for you and for me true community. That you can be known. That you can be in a place where you feel safe to open up about the sins in your life. About the problems in your life. That you can actually come into a place and be loved for who you are. And not for who you want people to think that you are. That, I believe, is what the church is meant to be, friends. That is what this place is supposed to be. That this is a, a safe place for you to walk in and be known, to be loved, to experience community. And what we experience in this place is a, is a pale, pale, pale glimmer. It's a, it's a, a poor reflection of the true community that we will experience for all of eternity with Jesus. And so looking at this, I want to see five different things that I, I, that I see in this passage that, that true community is rooted in. And the first one is that true community is rooted in true purpose. True community is rooted in true purpose. He says in verse 20, Jesus, he says, uh, I do not ask for these only. These, he's talking about uh, he, he's you know, just been praying about all the ones that God has given to him. But here specifically, he's referring to these in the room. I do not pray for only these disciples. These in the room. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe me, believe in me through their word. So think about what Jesus is praying when he prays this. He is not only praying for his disciples, the ones that know him closely, the ones that have, have believed in him since the beginning, right? He's not only praying for those, he's actually extending this. He's extending this outside of the room. Jesus is praying for his disciples, but he's also praying for those his disciples who minister to him. And he prays for those, and he says, for those also who will believe in me through their word. He wants the disciples to look outside of the room. 
And he's praying specifically for those who would believe through their word. I mean, isn't that amazing? Jesus is already telling them, guys, listen, you are going to share with other people about me. And Jesus is already praying for those that they will lead to believe in Jesus through their word. Do you catch the, the, the vision, the mission behind Jesus' words in this? He is praying for those who will believe through the disciples' word. They will only join God's new covenant community through current believers telling them. There are people outside of the room that will only know about Jesus through those inside the room going to tell them. Those inside the room have to go and share. We call this evangelism, right? And and I, I believe that there is a direct link between this idea of evangelism, of telling other people about Jesus, and this idea of community. The two are absolutely critically linked. This is, this is the, the reality that, that God does not make us merely a community. He makes us a missional community. He gives us a purpose. And you cannot experience the community that Jesus has for you if you don't also accept that purpose that He has for you. If you just want to walk in with your own purposes and, and accept all of the benefits that come in community, you won't actually receive the community. You'll, you'll be like a mole that's infiltrated, right? But you won't actually accept all that God has for you if you don't also believe and accept His mission that He has for you. So I believe that the very basis for community, the community that, that Jesus invites us to, is mission. His mission. His purpose. And we have to accept it as our mission, our purpose. I think it's important for each of us. I, I, you know, I like lists. Uh, it probably drives my wife crazy, but I love to make lists. It helps me think. And uh, I like, you know, the beginning of the year, I like to make a list. And, and I, like to, I like to think about, you know, what I did last year, what I want to do this year. And it, it just, those types of things help me, right? And when we come into God's community, it, I, I think that, there's almost a sense where we need to take the list of things that marked my purpose prior to coming into this community. And I need to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to set that aside. Because God, what I want is your list. And I want to make that. I want to place that on top of mine. That's my new purpose. You won't know true community until you know this true purpose. Because this is what we've been made for. So the very foundation of this community friends, is to tell others, is go tell others. So it's a missional community. To be part of this community is to recognize that our very purpose has been reshaped by it. So joining Jesus' community means having Jesus' purpose. Uh, This, I think, is all throughout this closing part of his prayer. Look what he says in verse 21. Uh, He says in 21, that that they may all be one so that they can have community. They can all be one so that, look what he says, so that the world may believe. So they can all be one. Jesus wants this to happen so they can be one so that the world can believe. He wants there to be unity, union, connection to each other so that the world would believe. He's combining those two elements, community and mission. I think that oftentimes when we think of community, we can think of a closed group right? It's us. And it's easy for us to think that 
that real community comes when we press in closer as a group, and, 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 and that's true to a sense. But I think that there's a danger because what can happen is we press in closer to each other, but we, what we can also do is we can separate ourselves from the rest of the world. And, and what we do is we think that, you know what, while I'm pressing in, I'm going to press out, right? And I'm going to insulate. I'm going to isolate. I'm going to completely separate myself from the world. And that is not what Jesus wants for you and for me, friends. He does not want to isolate you from the world. How can we be salt if we're not actually placed in something to be salty? Jesus says, you know, what would you, would you take a, a, a light and hide it under a bushel? You and me were like, well, what's a bushel? You know, like, but, but the idea is that we would not take something that's meant to be seen and hide it. Friends, how in the world can we be in the world if we isolate ourselves from it? If we, if we insulate ourselves from it? See, the old, commu- uh, the old covenant that God established with Israel actually was insulate yourself. It actually was separate And they often failed at doing that. But in the New Covenant, Jesus breaks down the wall of division. In Jesus, in the Old Covenant, it was, you know what, we need to be separate so that we can be God's people. But now in the New Covenant, Jesus has made it so that anybody can come. So now it is through faith, through hearing the Gospel and believing that you join this covenant community. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 23. He says, I in them, so Jesus in these people who believe through the disciples' words, and you, the Father, in me, Jesus. So he's kind of drawing all these lines. So, so Jesus in these new believers, God in Jesus. There's this whole reciprocal type of, of community here. And he says that they may become perfectly one. That is true community. And why does he say to do that? that they may become perfectly one. Why, Jesus? So that the world may know that you sent me. Perfect community. True community. Why? So that the world can know. The world will be able to look at this type of community and it will absolutely be transformative. So friends, for us to experience true community, I think it means that our, our, our whole purpose needs to be shaped by this idea that you are not your own. Your family is not your own, right? You, you may think that you decided to live on the street that you chose. And you think that that's, you know, because you know what? You like the neighborhood, you like the price, you like the house or whatever it was. But I believe that God also has intentions for placing you where he has. And I believe that God gave you that neighbor that drives you crazy. He gave you those people across the street And I don't think that it is an accident that God wants you to rub shoulders with people that are not always the type of people that you would choose, right? We we all think that we'll love all of the lovely people. The unfortunate thing is that we're not lovely, right? And, And God loves the unlovely. God loves the unlovable. And He calls us to do the same. He calls us to receive His purpose. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know. I think that it is critical for us to recognize that becoming part of this community necessarily leads to evangelism. When we come part, when we become part of God's community, it leads to evangelism so that we would bring others into this community. 
it is not meant to be something we keep to ourselves. The old covenant was come and see, right? You have to come into the temple. The new covenant is go and tell. And it is not meant to be kept inside your home, friends. It is not meant to be kept inside. The, the, the world that we live in today says that, you know what, your faith is great as long as you keep it to yourself. Do not speak up. That is not what Jesus calls us to, friends. Now, He does not call you to be a jerk at your workplace. Okay? He does not call you... I, I was just reading recently in the news, there was a student at L that went to a, uh, a LGBT studies class and handed out some pamphlets that to those students were very offensive to them. Now, I have no idea what's on those pamphlets. They may have been very good. But the manner in which they went about it was very offensive. It was not received well by those students. And so whether or not the student who, who went, and he may have gone with good intentions, he may have got, given them something that was a, a very good pamphlet, I have no idea. But the reality is, he did not really consider why. What would be the actual way for me to honestly love them? Right? And that's a missional mindset, friends. I just want to encourage us in your workplace, in your neighborhood, everywhere. Would you allow the, the, the whole reason why you go to work to be shaped by this idea? So it's not just make money so that you can take care of your family. No, you go to work with the idea that I'm going to redeem and reclaim my workplace. But you're actually going to do it with a missional mindset. Look what Jesus says in verse 24. He says, Father, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. They also, I desire that they, they there again, just the outsiders. Jesus wants the outsiders also to be with me, Jesus, to be with him, right? He's saying he wants to bring them in too, so that they can also see his glory. Friends, if we would just look at the life of Jesus and consider what are his purposes, what are the ways that he decides what is valuable in life, and would we consider asking ourselves, sometimes we say, well, you know what, I, I just wish people would accept me, or I just, you know, we, we find all these reasons for why we don't have community in our life. And, and I just want to ask us, maybe part of the reason why we are not experiencing community is because we have not accepted His purposes. And we're trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole because we're trying to take my purposes into God's community. And it does not work like that. And maybe the reason why you are not experiencing community is because you are not, like Jesus, desiring that, that those outside would come to you. I just want to encourage us in that. That we would root our, our desire for community in Jesus' purposes. Secondly, I see here that true community, true community is rooted in true knowledge. Now these are all very, I guess, I guess you could say they're kind of vague. They're very general statements. And they are kind of intentional. What I mean when I say true knowledge goes back a little bit to last week and even the week before as we talked about knowing God. I'm talking about just, not just knowledge about like, well, I know, you know math, I know science, I know, you know biology. Those are, those are important things to know. What I'm saying here by true knowledge is true truth. Do we know something that's actually true? 
concrete. Look what Jesus points to what they know. He says in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but for those who believe what? In me. They believe in me. He says in verse 21, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So not only do they believe in Jesus, but they believe that Jesus comes from the Father. We've talked about that multiple times recently. The the, the fact that God the Father is sending Jesus the Son, that's a critical component that we would know that, that we would believe that. He says in verse 23, that the world may know that you sent me. They would not not just be aware of it. They They would know it. They would believe it that Jesus has come from God the Father. I think for us to experience true community means that we need to know true knowledge. Miles, what does that even mean? Well, what I'm getting at is what is the highest good, the highest knowledge? We need to consider what are the most important things for me to know. I I think I've shared with you all before, I had a student years ago that, you know, as we were talking uh, through the gospel and a lot of different things, he continued to be hung up on some really, really technical theological things. He, he was a very smart kid, and he got really geeked out about some really obscure, minor theological debates. And every time I would talk to him about believing in Jesus so that his sins could be forgiven, he would default back to this, well, well hold on, how do I know about it? And he would start talking about these very upper level, higher, you know. I'm like, listen, man, like, that's important. I'm not going to say that these discussions about the Trinity, those are critical, absolutely important. But friend, if you can't stop yourself and ask, are you willing to believe that Jesus died for you? Right? Then all of the conversation about the theology is really a moot point because it all starts with with this true knowledge about who Jesus is, and do you believe that? And so friends, I just want to encourage us to consider what we know, what we believe. And I want to ask you, are are you really allowing your sense of community to be shaped by that? Sometimes I think that we can find ourselves seeking out community Because we want it, right? That's a natural thing. We all want community. We want friends. We want to be known. Uh, You know, this is why, I mean, there have been countless TV shows that take place in bars, right? Why is that? Well, because that's a place where a, a guy might go and he can be known with other guys and they can have friends and they can sing songs about a place where everybody knows your name, right? And, and so the, the, there's a reason why there are so many television shows that are based around a group of friends, right? And you think about the basis of, of so many sitcoms in American television and they're, they're rooted around, you know, five, six, seven friends that just do silly things all the time or funny things or whatever and, and, and so many of those are contexts where people want to have community and I just want to encourage us that there are good places for us to find community in this world but I think that we need to stop ourselves and ask ourselves friends are, are we really truly allowing our knowledge of Jesus are we allowing um are we, are we coming into this place? And are you allowing Jesus to truly reign over your life? I think that sometimes 
when we fail to experience community. Part of the time, it can be because we think we know. We, we want to allow my thoughts, my opinions, to be the thing that is, that is primary. And we're not allowing truth, Jesus, to be over all of that. I think of how each of these claims to mission here, by the way, in in verse 21 and 23, he talks about that the world may know, and it's, it's always directed back to Jesus. It's always directed back to Jesus. He is fundamentally the very thing that we're all about, friends. And so I think that it's important for us to remember that our community is based in Him, and our community is based in knowing Him. You know, we, we looked at this last week about uh, the, the fact that, that eternity would be spent getting to know Him more and more and more and more and more. Friends, that's what we should do in the midst of our community. Um, I think also, by the way, this should also t- shape the type of uh, relationships that we have within our community. And what I mean by that is that it should shape our conversations. It should shape the things that we want to talk about. It's good for us to talk about sports, to talk about movies, to talk about you know, our, our shared cultural interests. Okay, But if when we gather, if our conversation is not in some way related to Jesus in my life, Jesus in your life, Jesus in other people's lives, then what we are doing is not a biblical community. Okay, What we are doing is no different than what somebody could have at a bar or what they could have in a coffee shop. And friends, I just want to encourage us to allow our communities to be shaped by this this desire for us to know, to know true knowledge, true knowledge about Jesus, about God, about the gospel. That is concrete. Uh, That is something that's true. Uh, I, I guess you could say true with a capital T. That's kind of what I'm getting at there. So community is based, is rooted in true knowledge. Number three. True community is rooted in true relationship. True community is based, is rooted in true relationship. Jesus says uh, in verse, verse 22, he says, The glory that you, so Jesus says, The glory that you, the Father, have given me, Jesus, I have given to them, the believers that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me, and love them even as you love me. Uh, I, I think that when we read this text, one of the things that really strikes me is that Jesus here refers to, you know, uh, the glory... Verse 22, the glory you have given me that I'm going to give to them. So we see the relationship here between Jesus and the Father. We see that reiterated when he talks about I and them and you and me, that they would become perfectly one, that they would know that you, Father, have sent me to them to demonstrate that you, the Father, love them, those that believe. I mean, this is one of those things that can kind of make your brain hurt a little bit as you try to think about all the different pronouns that are being used here. But what, it, what I see when I read this, what I see when I read this is the way that Jesus' relationship with the Father shapes the type of community that they have. That there is a true relationship there. 
He says, I in them and you in me. I mean, when you stop and think about what does it mean to have a kind of relationship like that? That, uh, you know, when we consider, you know, he talks about the glory that the Father has given him. The glory that the Father has given to Jesus. And we, we've talked about this recently as well. About the idea that the Father and the Son are both out for glory for one another. Right? They're both out for glory. The, the Father is looking to glorify the Son. The Son is looking to glorify the Father. They're both also looking to glorify themselves, which to the world can seem like a very self-centered type of thing, except when you step back and realize, well, the Father actually is the most glorious thing in the universe. So it's not wrong for the Father to seek the Father's glory. It's not wrong for the Son to seek the Son's glory. What that hopefully helps us to recognize is the way the Father and the Son are connected. They're united. They are one. Their relationship is a really significant thing in us understanding the type of community that we would have. And so I think that as we consider what it looks like for you and for me to experience community in our lives, we need to look at the Father and the Son and the Spirit, right? We need to look at the Trinity and consider, and we, we talked about this recently, but I, I think that it's so critical, I want, I want to say it again, that when we look at the Trinity, we see a model. We see a model for the way that the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they relate to one another. There's no fear, right? They're not, they're not sitting there trying to elbow each other for prominence. They're not worried about, well, you know, the Spirit's not standing there going, man, everybody's always talking about the Son. I wish they would talk about me. And the Father doesn't have this kind of like hero complex where He wants everybody to, to look at Him. No, the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have perfect community together. They have, they have perfect union with one another. Perfect relationship with one another. And I think that that's so important for us to see. I think it's important because a lot of us have broken relationships. And, and part of our problem when we try to, to walk into community with Jesus is that sometimes we bring our broken relationships with us. And, and we assume that you know the, the broken relationship that we might have, say, with our Father, and, and how that was not the way that it was supposed to be, that that's in some way changes the way we view God the Father. Or maybe our broken relationship with a brother or a sister or a neighbor or an uncle that hurt you or, or, or you know, any number of things that could have been the, the cause for breaking our understanding of relationships, breaking our understanding of how we should relate with one another. Friends, I just want to encourage us that we would not carry those things into the community, that we would instead allow the Father's, the, the Father's relationships to define our understanding of relationships. That we would look at the Father and say, you know what, that's what a Father should be like. That we would look at the Son and we would say, you know what, is, uh, it's so amazing to me that the Son never looks down on the fact that He submits to the Father. It's never presented as, as demeaning to Jesus when he says things like, I submit to the Father's will. Or when he says things like, no one knows the hour except for the Father. That's not demeaning to Jesus. He is not giving anything up in that sense. And so what an incredible thing for us to see the way that they are able to relate 
to one another. There's no fear. There's no angling for power. Friends, sometimes in a church community, we have opportunities to hurt one another. That's a weird way to say that, Miles. What I mean is that there are lots of times where we might say things that that bothered somebody else. Or we didn't say something and it bothered you because so-and-so didn't say something. We are all sinners in this room. And unfortunately, there are lots of times where our relationships with one another will become strained, will become uh, afraid, right? Because of things we do to each other, ways we sin against each other, things we did or didn't do. And I, I want to encourage us that we would not look at the brokenness of our brothers and sisters and say, well, obviously there's something wrong. Obviously there's something wrong here that, you know what, so-and-so didn't do this or so-and-so did do that. Instead, I want to encourage us that we would seek to make this community as much like the community that Jesus offers us. That we would redeem it. That we would reclaim it. That we would, you know, I, I think as Paul writes about, that we would be uh, ministers of reconciliation. That's one of the beautiful things about the way we can relate to one another is that we can be the type of people that demonstrate reconciliation. When somebody wrongs you, you don't run out the door. Okay? That the church is a place where we can actually know, you know what, when I mess up, that does not mean, Miles, you're done, you're out. Okay? That the church is actually a place where there's safety. And that our relationship, even when it becomes frayed, through the gospel we can seek to reconcile and I just want to encourage us friends would we seek to be that if there's people in this place that have wronged you or hurt you I just want to encourage us to be the type of people that would go to one another and say you know what I'm really sorry or you know what hey Miles it really bothered me when you did this it really irritated me when you said that let us be a place where we seek to have these types of true relationships Because here's the problem. Sometimes when we go into a community, when we go into a place, we don't have true relationships. We are fake. I I don't like using that word because it has like a negative connotation. But what I'm saying is when we come into a room, say small group, and we say, Miles, I'm great. I'm doing just fine. And on the inside, you are a wreck. On the inside, everything is going wrong. On the inside, you're hurting. On the inside, there's, there's brokenness. But what you present to your brothers and sisters, I'm great. Everything's fine. Right? That, to me, friends, is not a true relationship. And the Father and the Son do not lie to each other. The Son is not telling the Father, oh yeah, really happy to submit, and then turn around, Ugh, why do I have to do this? No, there's a true relationship. And friends, I want us to experience the same thing in our church. That we would be a place where we would be honest and open up front with one another. When we're hurting, that we would share that. When we're sinning, that we would actually seek to bring those sins into the light. Friends, would we be a place where we have true relationships with one another? Because friends, if we do not have that, that is part of why this at times could feel very empty. 
if people only know a projection of you, they don't know the honest you, that's a very, 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 very sad place to be. Because you will constantly say, nobody knows me, nobody loves me, nobody accepts me. But part of the problem is that you have not allowed them to know me. You have not opened up to them. Friends, this should be a place where we are all safe to open up. We are all safe to share, to have true relationships. Jesus says, I am them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one. I just see in that this picture of relating to one another in a very close proximity. Also, what I see here is that true community is rooted in true presence. True community is rooted in true presence. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus says here that that I would be in them, you would be in me. It's not some sort of artificial thing. It's not simply saying, oh yeah, I'll be there for you, and then you're not there for them, right? And so Jesus says, I will be in them. Father, you will be in me. That is a true type of presence. He goes on to say, I desire, verse 24, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be where? With me. Where I am. Jesus wants them to be close. He wants the outsiders to be brought in to experience a sense of presence. I think that this reminds me about how, friends, we cannot have community if we are not present with one another. We cannot have community if we are not with each other. Now, there's a lot to that, but what I, what I, what I really want to hit on is, is that I think that for you to experience community, you need to have other people in close proximity with you. You can't have community on your own. Like, that doesn't make sense. And, and, and there's the relational side to that, okay? And I think that's a, that's a critical component to community. But there's also a spatial side, all right, to try to get technical. Uh, and I think that we need to make space for people to be in our lives. We need to make space for that. I think this is especially critical for us in the digital age where everything is, is not spatial, Everything is, you know, I, I'm doing it on my device, on my time, and I'm in my living room doing my things, and I'm scrolling through Facebook or whatever, right? And I'm on my computer, and, and we have this, like, everything is everywhere kind of idea because of the Internet. I think that it's so important for us to be present with one another. It's so important for us to create spaces where we're at a table together, eating a meal together, Right? If all we are is just an email chain, that's not presence. No, we've got to be with one another. We've got to be in the room together. I want to push us and encourage us to be a people that would be present. Just being there. That's most of the battle in a relationship is being there. That we would be present with one another. When we look at the Father and the Son, we see true presence with one another between the Father and the Son, and Jesus offers the same to you and to me. I think that's another part of this that's really important, 
that we would know that Jesus is truly present with you. He is not promising that He would be in you and it's just like a, a, like a, a, a statement that He's making and it's just kind of like, you know what, I'll always be with you. You know, like a tagline. That's not a tagline for Jesus. He's saying He will actually be present with you. He is truly present. And I think that that's another important component for us, friends, that as we seek to have community in our lives, that we would know that Jesus is there with us. You're not alone. You've not been left alone. You've not been forgotten in any way. Jesus is truly there, present with you. And he says that he would actually reflect to you and to me the very glory that the Father has given to him. I desire that they may also may be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you have given to me because you love me before the foundation of the world. That is presence. And the last thing I want us to see is that true community is rooted in true love. True community is rooted in true love. And Jesus says there in that verse, I want them to see my glory that you've given because you loved me before the foundation of the world. We see the love between the Father and the Son, and it's described as before the foundation of the world, before the universe began, before Genesis 1. God already loved the Son. The Father already loved the Son. And what's also amazing is that Scripture tells us that before God created you, He already loved you. Before He formed you, He already loved you. Before you had sinned, before you had wronged Him, before you had made a mess out of your life, before all the things that had happened, He already loved you. I think that it is so important for us to recognize that there is a, there is a true love that exists. And it does not start in you and me. It starts only in God. Love only exists coming from God. If you find love from somewhere else, it is not true love. Okay? Only the Father can say that He loved before things were even made. And then He made them. Right? That is love. To be able to love something with, with no expectation of receiving something in return. That is a sacrificial, selfless love that God gives to you and to me. And so friends, I want us to experience that kind of love in community. I think that we should desire that love for ourselves. We should desire for that to happen for me. For me to know that I'm loved and accepted. That was one of the most radical life-shattering realities for me as a seventh grade boy in the midst of lots of you know, hormones and lots of uh, struggles. Do people like me? I dealt with a lot of image issues. And I remember coming to this point where I realized God loves me not because of me, but because of Him. And that like set me free. And I, I stopped worrying the way that I had worried before. I also stopped wearing a lot of the dumb clothes that I've been wearing, right? Trying to make friends because I thought if I wore certain things, people would like me. And I started just going, you know what? I'm just going to be myself. 
I'm just going to be who God has made me to be. And I'm going to receive His love because of who He is. I not only want that for you and for me personally, but I want that for us collectively. I want us to share that with each other. The, the, the book of 1 John is maybe one of the most important books for you to know. And if you want to become better at loving other people, I'd encourage you to be in the, the book of 1 John. Because over and over in 1 John, John talks about this reality that for, for us to love, we have to receive love. And what we are doing is merely reflecting the love that God has given us. And so it starts with you receiving it. But then you also reflect it to other people. I look at what Jesus says here about the fact that the world would know that, that, that God had sent Jesus... And then he bases that, in verse 23, he bases that in the fact that God loved him. Well, what a crazy concept. God sent Jesus to die, and Jesus is saying that's a sign of God's love for him. He says in verse 24, I want the world to see my glory. Why? Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And then listen to what he says in verse 25. Righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, the world on its own doesn't have a chance to know, apart from God revealing himself. The world does not know you. Listen to this. I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. Why? That the love with which you have loved me may be in me. That is Jesus wants us to know the name that is above all names. And it, it's not one thing. I mean, I've, I've, heard, I've heard people say things like, you know what, all you have to do is just say the name Jesus. And it's like this magic word that if you say it, it, it doesn't matter what's actually inside your heart, that if you just say certain prayers, that it makes everything better. No, it's not merely like a, like a seance where you just repeat words and, and God just has to perform the magic act. No, there's actually a component where we have to know it personally. But when we do, we can actually receive. He says that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. So the same love that the Father has for the Son will be in you, will be in me. That is incredible. Because we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I know that there's no way I could ever possibly deserve for somebody like a righteous father to love somebody who is as broken as I am. But he says, I have made your name known to them. That I could love, that I could know his love. That the love with which you have loved me would be in me. That I love the way he I. He gives us Himself and His love. Friends, that is me. And I hope that we would know it. I hope that we would feel it, that we would embrace it. We could say that, that the, this is true on a macro level, big, big picture, right? But also on a micro level. And I just want to encourage us to think through both, both of those. The, the sense where you can experience on a big picture 
eternally, forever community with Jesus. That your life forever would be, would be with Him. Right? But I also want us to think about it on a micro level. Today, when you walk out of this room, you can experience close fellowship with Jesus. And it actually goes beyond any circumstances, any, any things happening, and that you could know that He is with you and His love is in you right now, today. And you don't have to go home and say certain prayers. You don't have to go home and, and do certain objectives or whatever, right? All you have to do is know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You can have life and community in His name. Friends, I just encourage us to have that. The reality is that people in this life will, will always fail. Uh, will either fail physically because their bodies break down all the time, or will fail because we can never measure up. Um, I'm going to be very sad next week when I don't get to stand before you and I don't get to share God's word with you. I'm reminded of the way that I can never be enough on my own. I'm not Jesus. I'm not supposed to be. Every single pastor is himself an under-pastor. Jesus is the true pastor. All we're doing is trying to point you to Jesus. My hope the entire time that I've been here, friends, has been a point of Jesus. I want you to know that you have community forever with Him. I wish that we could have community together here forever. But that's not what God has is, designed. But you know what? I'm confident that we will have community with Jesus forever. That's more than enough for me. I hope that's enough for you. Let me pray for us. God, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that your mercies are made new today through your word, through your son. God, I just, I just pray that your presence would be felt, would be known, that we would experience community with you, that we would feel your presence, your love, that we would know what it is like to have a loving relationship where, where we are always pursued. God, I, just, I, I pray that we would experience that kind of community in life. In this, in this place. God, we are, are, are just in need of you today. I'm not going to be you right now. So God, I just pray that you would continue to be ever-present and ever-loving towards us. We love you. We pray all this in your name.